Hello listeners, Shadow of the Demon Lord is a grimdark horror game, and as such we'll deal with intense horror material. This is not intended for all viewers, and listener discretion is advised. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to a Pair of Dice Lost podcasting channel. This is Tyler, and you may recognize me from the Exalted vs. World of Darkness game is Live. But I'm excited to say this is the first game that I'll be GMing on the channel. In this game, we'll be playing Shadow of the Demon Lord, a grimdark fantasy game. Our players for this game are Christina, Brendan, Joe, and Cody. I'll let them introduce their characters as we progress through this twisting tale. But with that, sharpen your pitchforks and light your torches as we begin with Shadow of the Demon Lord, A Fading Light, Episode 1, A Calming Twilight. I think I'm all good, if you guys are all good. I'm good. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. We'll see about that. <laughs> I mean, he does have a lifetime full of regrets, so... Oh, I know. He knows. I thought that was just Cody. 4K no of this. See. Alright, so... I guess now we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, first of all, everybody welcome. Shadow of the Demon Lord. Um, before we get too far into this, uh, just a reminder for me and you all. Uh, we're all kind of new. No one's really gotten too much into this game. The system's kind of built so you can take it kind of like paste and not worry too much about the rules until it's important. So just we'll, we'll just bear with it. We'll get through okay. When in doubt, roll a d20. Heard. Pretty much. Alrighty. So I prefaced this a little bit before, but just for general knowledge... Uh, this game is going to start in the city of Brandle. Brandle is a coastal fishing town on the east coast of the continent of Algrenia in the land of rule. Basically, the past generation has been under a pretty intense war. Uh, two fronts, actually. To the north, there is a pretty ongoing stream of what is essentially undead and mindless corpses flooding in from the Northlands to reach some unknown, unforeseen goal. Those have to be constantly kept back and there was a very long feed with them for many years, uh, maintained now. To the south, the Southlands are actually the very cold ones in this in this land. The south are inhabited by the Yotan, which are very large, giant blood creatures that are very aggressive and constantly raid the, sh raid the shores of Rule. This town, for sure, has seen some of those in the past. Malgrania is important in that it's a pretty easily defendable location in the continent of Rule. This land is dotted with swamps and pretty dense forests, and hard to understand layout, so pretty easy to defend. Think of it like the not-so-cold Russia. Not a really good time to attack it. But, more to the point, welcome to Brandle. Brandle is going to be a fishing village. Primarily, that's where they get their money, through fishing. There's some supplementary trades, like farming and some hunting, to like feed the town. But generally, fishing and trading. One way, or the other, you all have found yourself here in this town on a pretty normal, even pleasant spring day. Is there anyone who would like to start? Any preferences? Or we can do it just as we go? Tell you what, I have, a, I have an order in mind. Let's actually start with Pluck. Okay. Alrighty. So you, Pluck, have been traveling for the past couple weeks, days, and same old, same old. And you are in a pretty dense, hard to navigate forest. One way or the other, you seem to have gotten a bit turned around. And it's just you're not like you have plenty of food and all, but you're not really sure where you're going. What would you like to do? I'm probably just gonna walk along and look around where we're at. And as I'm walking, you just hear this cluck, 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 cluck sound in my my cauldron. That's like a backpack on me, and there's just bones just jingling around in there. Not really jingling, but just kind of like clacking around in there. Yeah, like shuffling around. Alright, um, are you looking for anything particular, or just taking a general overview of the land as you go? Uh, I imagine I haven't been here before, probably, so I'm just kind of getting a general overview of everything, and figuring out what's what, so to speak. Gotcha. This land doesn't seem quite sure whether it wants to be a swamp or a forest. 
you're kind of plodding, plodding along. Every now and again, your your foot will kind of sink into the ground a little bit where it's wet. Um, there's no small amount of mosquitoes, but the land isn't necessarily impossible to traverse. It's just kind of hard to go unless you like. Occasionally, you find like a a, a spot of solid ground. And you try to follow that, but inevitably you find some more mush again. But you keep trugging along. And uh, can you go ahead and roll me your perception, please? So how does that work with rolling for this? Okay. Give me one second to pull up the character sheet. Uh, firstly, just give me a d20. Fifteen. Alright. Well, that's pretty good. In this game, unless you're making an attack roll, anything that is over a ten will be a success. Pretty standard rule. Unless there's like some crazy circumstance where any, normally any negative to that rule is going to be through banes or burns. But this is just a normal roll, so that's going to be a pass. Uh, as you move along, uh, up ahead you see what appears to be a human girl. Up through the foliage a little bit, like in between kind of the trees and the muck, there seems to be a patch of very nice flowers. They are a very brilliant shade of blue. And she's something to herself quietly while she picks them. Okay, so she's just sitting there picking flowers? She has a little basket. She seems to be just gathering flowers. Okay. Uh, I'm going to look at her basket. I'm going to look at my cauldron that's on my back. And just kind of keep going. Because she doesn't really seem to have anything of interest to me. Okay. Are you trying to sneak by her? Or are you just carrying on your way? I'm just going along my way. Alright. Uh, you don't really startle her. But she does look up when she hears bones rattling behind her. She's like on the pretty side of average looking. Um, she's not particularly remarkable, kind of homely looking, but uh, seems to be nice. Uh, she has a very nice smile and seems genuinely happy to see you. And she just says, oh, hi there. How are you today? Fine. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm just picking some flowers while father's out working. Are you looking for anything particular? Can I help you? Uh, no, just, just looking around. Nothing much. Alrighty then. You have a nice day. If you happen to pass by town, uh, maybe I'll see you there. Sounds good. Okay, bye! Uh, Pluck just seems kind of, like, awkward as she just moves along. <laughs> Do you... Are you, like, going towards anything? Or are you just kind of, like, still kind of stumbling around looking for where you need to be going? Just kind of stumbling around. Like, my, my whole thing with this character is it just she travels a lot just trying to find ways to make money and stuff. Okay. I got you. Go ahead and make me another perception roll, please. I assumed I was just rolling a d20 again, and I got a 6. Okay. You kind of try to take stock of where you're going and make it through this bog. So bog is a good way to describe this. It's not quite like a full-on swamp, but it's like a bog. Um, you keep on going. You think you're getting away getting the way to go, but around half an hour later, you you find that you've circled back around to this girl with the flowers, and uh, she she looks a bit concerned as she sees you walk up again. Right. We're, we're probably about to head back to town. Would you like to follow us back? Sure! I just... I think I went around in a circle or maybe a triangle or a square or something. I don't know. Oh, that's, that's understandable. The mire's kind of hard to get through if you haven't been through it before. Here, just follow me. We'll find Father. Oh, okay. She kind of gathers her stuff and gets it together, and it's all very proper and, like, ladylike. Uh, my name's Isla Beth, by the way. Nice to meet you. Uh, you can call me Pluck. Uh, she gives you what is probably, like, the most sincere, like, smile you've ever seen the past couple days. Is, nice to meet you, Buck. Uh, let's see where Father got off to. Every interaction so far has been remarkably pleasant with this random stranger out in the swamp. Give me just one second to find a thing. I don't know where I put it. Anyone else waiting for the trees to start speaking Vietnamese while Fortunate Son plays in the background because this is too friendly? <laughs> I'm just waiting for uh, them to lure me to a cabin in the middle of nowhere and just try and cook me like the old witch in a woods or something like that. Oh, how the turns have tabled. Oh, come on now. <laughs> so skeptical. 
I'm just, I, I'm not sure how to play this character yet, so I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with her type of thing. That's fine, that's fine. Like, her voice may change, so who knows? That, yeah, totally fine. What? No, how dare you evolve your character over time? Progression? What is this? I also wasn't expecting to go first, either. Well, I'm just kind of... I, I have an order for the way of things. Anyway, as you guys go along, um, she tries to make pleasant conversation, and whether that's reciprocated or not, it's just like a leisurely walk. And eventually, you hear some pretty intense rustling to the right, and out from the brush steps a rather large, rather burly man with a very big two-handed axe and uh, a belt full of what looks to be trapping supplies. He's like, this bear's wearing people clothes. Very large guy. And he looks very disgruntled at you and this uh, human child. I shouldn't say child. She's like probably like 16 or 17. So teenager. Right. Young adult. And he just kind of like grunts at you guys uh, and looks particularly aggressive. What do you do? I look to this this girl I'm with and say, y- you know him? She's kind of already advancing and waving a hand at the guy. Be like, oh, no, 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 no. Father, it's okay. This is uh, Pluck. I uh, I met her while I was picking flowers. And the guy kind of like uh, cocks his head at you a little bit and like takes a deep breath out. <sighs> well, I'm sorry about that. Can never be too careful these days, you know? Always better to be on the safe side. My apologies, stranger. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, what your daughter said. I'm just gonna kind of like slowly follow the girl by while like looking back at him. Oh, oh, she's she's not going anywhere. She's talking with her dad. Oh, I thought you said she was going ahead. No, no, no. She, she was ahead of you talking to the guy. Ah, but okay. no, they're they're chatting. He introduces himself as Bodren, B O D R E N. And he mentions that he is the sort of the huntsman slash woodsman of Randall. He's out with his daughter doing some uh, work, and she just happened to tag along to get some flowers. Uh, after your your brief uh, run-in, it seems to be rather pleasant now that his he knows his daughter is not in danger. And you guys kind of get your stuff together and head back together. Sounds good to me. All right. And screen fade out. And Mr. Sardom Marshall... Yes. Hey, buddy. You've been in these woods for a while. You're running pretty low on supplies. But you're pretty sure you can find a kind... You believe in the kindness of humanity. And you're pretty sure you could just find someone on the road to see about helping you out. Yes. All strangers are kind. In fact, right as you think that, down the road away, so you see three figures approaching. One of them seems to, like, chat for a minute and then divert off. But the two continue. They're a little ways away, so it's hard to see. But you don't want to startle them, so you just wait for them to approach before you hop out, of course. Right? Right. And, well, I mean, I'm going to slowly approach. I'm okay. not going to okay. jump out at them. But right. Okay. Well, yeah. Like, that's skulk that's in the darkness. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's how Cody gets stabbed. Unintentional menacing. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Uh, before you, as they get closer, you see them before they see you. You see what seems to be a human girl and a Christina. If you want to go ahead and describe your character real quick. Oh, geez. Hold on. It's going to be hard to do. Give me a second. How about this? Cody, how about you describe yourself first? Shredder Marshall is a clockwork soldier. He's a little over six foot with a ornate stylized body made of what do we decide on? Steel? I think what we decided on was a mixture of steel and silver. Or, like, chrome. Yeah, shiny and chrome. The only way to get to Valhalla. Soldier life. Yeah, he's uh, a little worse for wear as he's covered in moss from his time spent in the swamp. But you can still see that his body has some scroll work and finer details. He's not just your standard run-of-the-mill machine. And he carries a dagger on his hip and a walking staff. Okay. Okay, I think I figured out how to do this. Alrighty. Okay, so Pluck is very short and kind of spindly armed and limbed in general. Just very short and spindly. 
and she has these long, slender fingers that are just... What do you think, like, the witch fingers that are just kind of creepy? Um, that's kind of her fingers. She's got a shaved head and about five piercings in each ear and just kind of dressed in regular travel clothes. Alrighty. So, Cody, or Sredum, should I say, uh, you see this goblin figure and this, as previously described, human girl. Uh, please tell me how you would like to approach them. I'm going to step quietly so my thunderous footsteps don't scare them and approach them from behind. Okay. Uh, do you have anything, any weapon drawn? Any dagger? Or are you just, are you, how are you brandishing your walking stick? Yeah, I've got my walking stick in one hand with the dagger in a uh, pretty much like a backhand pairing type deal. Defensive stance with my uh, dagger, but oh. draw a eye to block my head. Alrighty. Uh, what would you say as you approach them? As they are rather disgruntled at this large robot man uh, sneaking upon them from behind. Actually, give me a stealth roll real quick. And, uh, with your, uh, you will add anything. So how this is going to work. So what is your agility score? It's eight. So you will actually take minus two to your uh, stealth roll. Because anything under ten is going to be subtracted from your roll. Anything over ten will be added. Remarkably, this loud, beaten up machine walks quiet as anything. As it appears behind these strangers to ask for help. Uh, now what would you like to say, Cody? The moss is camouflage. I am the trees that are speaking. Hello, strangers. I require your rations. I look at the girl, whose name I've already forgotten, and I'm just like, do you know this one? Isla Beth turns around and is initially startled. It kind of freezes in place. Not so much... It's a, like, it's a little bit in fear, for sure. But she takes a second and can't help but seem to spurt out. Wow, you have really... Your armor is really pretty. Thank you, little one. Um, I, I'm afraid I don't have much on me. I just, I just I have some flowers. And, uh, we're just waiting here for my... Suddenly behind you, you hear a very loud crashing noise. I, like, peek around Cody, assuming that's probably the dad coming after him. Oh, there is a very large man flying out of these woods. Axe raised high. I, I, I keep my head, so it's like, you got the silhouette of Cody kind of probably blocking both of us out, and I just have my head peeking off, I was like, hey, I don't know this dude, and I don't think your daughter does either, um, yep, and then I just slowly put my head back in front of him. That's my Connor, I don't know you! What do you, uh, you have a chance to respond to this action, Cody, uh, what would you like to do? Uh, a very large human man who you assume thinks that you are... This misunderstanding has happened to you before. This human obviously thinks that you are assaulting these two travelers. Clearly, he is in the wrong. You're merely asking for help. <laughs> I'm gonna turn around as he's running at me. Human, you do not understand. I merely require your rations. He, he looks a bit confused. And he doesn't initially, like, seek to engage you in combat. He's mainly, like, trying to, like, harry you away from his his daughter and traveling companion. And uh, he kind of looks back and asks, Are you all hurt? Are you okay? I'm sorry, I stepped away. You should not do this. These woods are dangerous. Filled with unsavory characters. Dangerous because of people like you. And the girl kind of speaks up, and she's very confused. Elizabeth is very confused. She's no longer startled or scared. It's more like, no, 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 wait. I, the, are you robbing us? Or is that what this is? I, I don't even think you know anymore. She's talking to uh, Shredder Marshall. No, this is not a robbery. As long as I can collect the rations I require, I will be on my way. The guy is very like disgruntled and upset, looking like he's clearly being more and more upset. I... The girl's getting more, more curious. I'm gonna go and just kind of like tap my my knuckle on him because you said he's made of metal, right? Yes. Uh, Sardom, the small one, is approaching you, and if allowed, she will tap on your muscle, your your knuckle bone, with a loud ting. Well, 
I, I'm happy with my my like hand, you know, like taking kind of like a, a light fist and just kind of like on like his legs. I assume he's much taller than I am. It is a very odd, resonatingly clear sound. Not 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 the sound you would have expected. I'm gonna bend down in a very inhuman manner, like the way that only machinery would be able to bend. So that so you like bend 90 degrees your hip, and then you like your knees bend 90 degrees. You like. Down Periscope. <laughs> yup. Yes. Okay. May I help you, little one? Uh, what do you eat? Do I eat people food? Do I even eat? I don't yes. think Clark You to certainly eat. do eat. We do need to eat. Yes. You do eat and you do sleep. You function in all ways like a human, except you do not need to, um, you do not need to breathe, if I recall correctly. But you do eat and you can even taste. I do not eat, I do not drink, or breathe. I just remembered I've got a cheat sheet. Oh. I, I don't age and cannot be transformed into an undead. Your mechanical body makes it impossible for you to swim, so you sink to the bottom when you are submerged in liquid. Alright, then you're not sure. What do you define as rations, and why do you need them? Cody, what did you say you were made out of again? Steel and chrome. Okay, I'm just making sure. You, you don't quite... What are your professions, Christina? Uh, I'm a musician and an academic with a specialist in a cult. Okay. So, uh, you were asked, what do you eat? I eat food. Can you not tell I am a normal person like the rest of you? Alabeth kind of looks to her dad and is like, Father, no, we can't. He, he's just, this is a misunderstanding. He's just hungry. We can't tell why somebody's hungry. That's what Mom always said, remember? The older guy kind of like, Makes a grumbly face, but then kind of, like, sighs and puts his axe down. <sighs> I seem to be on edge today. If it is nourishment you require, please come with us back to town. I'm sure something can be arranged. But please do not sneak up on my daughter, nor her traveling companion like that. People may get the wrong idea about you. Um, he, he's, like, making a noise like he doesn't know your name. That is often the case. People do not understand me. Oftentimes, I do not think I understand myself. I'm just not answering the name question. Okay. Uh, in response to that, Alabeth kind of walks up and extends a, a soft hand. Like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm Alabeth. Sorry for the misunderstanding. Hello, Mrs. Alabeth. I am Stratum. Stratum Marshall. That's an interesting name. Uh, do you return her handshake? Yes, with my big, chonky metal hands. Your big, chunky metal hands grasp a very soft, dainty human hand. After that engagement, this new misfit band kind of haphazardly heads back towards Brandle. After you exit the, the mire, the canopy over this swampland finally breaks. And you see the occasional tree, but what is essentially open land. And in the, dist in the distance, you see a nice and lively, if not maybe a bit humble-looking town, uh, right along the coastline. And... At that, we're going to switch over to our... Brendan, what was your pre-changeling name again? Something Drunk? Gregory Drunk, right? Gregory Drunk. We now pan back to what is essentially like a hovel dug next to and under a uh, water drain in the town to find Gregory Drunk enjoying a like collective, I don't know, piss uh, with his friend and roommate, Barnes. The town drunkard. If you'd like, please describe yourself, Brenda. Greg Drunk is a homely-looking human. He he doesn't look particularly bad, but he is on a scale of one to five. He's definitely a two. He ain't ugly, but he's he ain't exactly a good-looking guy either. Um, he's slender with very little muscle mass, and he is basically uh. More like skin and bones, and it's hard to tell if that's just because of who he is or because of how the, like, him basically being homeless. He has an uncut beard that goes down to his chest with long black hair to his shoulders, and he has deep sunken brown eyes. He is wearing patched, very bad clothes, and he has a walking staff with him. Alrighty. Next to you, your, your ever companion is Barnes. Barnes is a pretty old, pretty feeble-looking human man, probably approaching his 70s, which is, like, super old for this time. 
Like, in this land, people die at, like, 50 or 60. He has a mixture of black, gray, and stark white hair sprouting from his beard, and his flowing hair that he has brushed behind his head. He has pretty intense-looking cataracts over his eyes. Uh, you know he's not entirely blind, but he is very visually impaired. When he's not babbling drunk from drinking all day with whatever money he can scrounge up from, like, weird side jobs. He was, at one point, the town's thatcher. He was making, uh... He was the main person who made nets for the fishermen. But now, he's kind of just a sad, drunken, half-blind man that everyone kind of just tolerates because this is his home. Uh, he's currently babbling about why parsnips don't go in chocolate cake. And, uh... Yeah, he's, uh... It's probably... 11 in the morning, and he's just hammered drunk. Uh, what do you do? You're both just pissing into a ditch. Well, come on now, Barnes. Parsnips can go with chocolate cake if they want to. <laughs> he's, like, grumbling, but, like, somehow you understand him. Uh, he's adamant that parsnips and chocolate are not intended to go together. Well, then, Barnes, you're just not... You're just not running with the right crowd, man. You just gotta... You gotta, you gotta, you gotta start, stop. Ugh. Oh god, is that a stone? Oh god, this feels bad. Oh, he like, oh my god. He like, oh. he like chuckles and gives you like a weight, like a, a soft shove to the side <laughs> while you're, uh, while you're attempting to pass what appears to be a kidney stone. I, I realize it was not a kidney stone, and as he shoves me, I go off balance, and well, I'm a hobo. I kind of pee all over myself a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's day in the life. Day in the life. Uh, you kind of finish your pee, and then decide to get up. Now, with that done, what would you like to do? Um, the town is lively, but not quite bustling. It's nice out, but not quite warm. It's like a pleasant day. Pretty ideal spring day. Go towards wherever that my usual, I guess, busking grounds are, or begging grounds, kind of depending on what that I'm doing. Sure, sure. Uh, you go to the main area of town, and on one side of this street, you have the Spider's Craw, which you know as the town tavern and drinking hole. And across from that is the Happenstance, the town general store. And if you would like to, uh, what do you, how do you busk? What is your, what is your, you're an actor, right? I'm an actor. Okay. Would you like to make me a Nero-esque uh, street performance? Uh, yeah, sure. What would the uh, what would the role for that be? Well, uh, since you were an actor, um, I'm gonna just say give me a flat d20 roll with advantage, or with a boon. Uh, two d20s or? Uh, not quite. Uh, this is a great way to go over this. Um, so the boon bane system. Uh, so for this instance, you're going to roll a d20 and then roll a d6. Because this is a boon and not a bane, you will add them together. I'm not sure if that actually worked the way it's supposed to. No, it did. It's a d20 plus a d6. It's a 5 and an 18, which is 23. So that worked. Yeah, it's weird okay. that it flipped them. Yeah, that, that's what I was concerned about, is that it did flip them. Hmm. I keep an eye on it for now. As well. yeah, dude, we're going to keep that roll, but for my own happenstance, just roll it one more time. <laughs> happenstance. We're going to act as if you have a 23, though. I just want to see what that same roll does again. Well, it's obvious. The d20 rolled a 5, and the d6 rolled an 18. Duh. Right, right. Oh, it, seems, it seems to work. It seems to work. It just, for some reason, flips them around. Yeah, that is kind of weird, but oh well. It seems to effectively randomize. All right. So, uh, Gregory Drunk, what hobo performance do you do on the side of the road with your 23? So, with my 23... Greg Drunk is going to start giving out the performance of a lifetime as, uh... Now see here, y'all, as I bring about the great word of the Lord of Revel, also known as Puck. Now you may be thinking, oh, what is what is Greg talking about today? Well, Greg is talking to you about one of the greatest gods that ever did grace this, grace this land. You see... Revel is the god of drunkenness and revelry, lord of mischief and all the other fun things you can do. He freak he frequents brothels, he frequents uh bars and gambling halls. Why you you get a favor with the with the lord of revel and you got a 
you got luck on your side then now, don't you? Now make sure that you do not ever, ever, ever get too much of his favor or else and I'm gonna pull out my amber with a with a fly with the human face on it or else this could happen to you with the old world scream revel will bring his wrath down upon you and I will give you that scream today my listeners that scream is ye and I will not stutter here haw <laughs> okay <laughs> I kind of hate you right now. I kind of love it. I know I love it. So as you deliver your magnum opus of debauchery, you have like your your, clo- your clothing, clothing is like torn a certain way. So it's like you're wearing a shitty hobo toga. You have like some pebbles knotted into your hair to look like some sort of weird olive leaf headdress. And it, it is very clear. Like initially people aren't sure how to take this. They're certainly, it's kind of like a train wreck to them initially. They're very confused and concerned, but they just can't look away. And almost everyone who starts there stays for the entire performance. And it's not... Do you like... I'm going to assume you like your busking, so we're gonna, I'm going to assume you like lay out your one good shoe that doesn't have a hole in it to catch any spare coins that wander in. Yeah, um, pretty much. Okay. So you lay your piss-soaked shoe down on the cobbled streets of the town, and you do your performance. And at the very end of it, it's very clear that people... They're not sure what feeling they're feeling. But they are certainly moved by this performance. Whether that is through anguish, through chagrin, through wonder, maybe even a little bit of like, maybe they feel better about themselves after your performance because this is how you are. <laughs> but one way or the other, they are certainly moved. And uh, you can go ahead and, wow, go ahead and add one copper coin. Holy shit. Yeah. What is that? Is that like 10 bits? That is 10 bits. Wow, you've you've just increased my wealth by two hundred percent. That was your magnum opus, dude. I didn't think you'd roll a fucking ten. Well, clearly Revel's on his side. Well, you got a whole copper coin, son. You haven't seen this shit in since you can remember. You don't think you ever? Now that you're thinking back, you might not have ever seen a copper coin. Uh, what do you do now that you're riding on the riding high on the hog? Probably gonna go spend it all on booze. And the spider's craw is right there. It's right there, like the Golden Gate's right in front of you, welcoming you even. So you uh, you head on over to the tavern? Yep, I'm going to head on over to the tavern. Alrighty. So as you approach the Spider's Craw, you've probably been in here a time or two before, but it never quite ceases to amaze you at how immaculately clean, yet immaculately orderly, disorderly this bar is. Everything is spotless. There's not a speck of dust anywhere, but stuff is arranged in particularly strange manners. There's like... Every now and again, there'll be, like, a chair nailed to the top of one of the tables. The bar takes odd 90-degree turns to and from in erratic orders that no one can really annotate as to why. Uh, Every now and again, someone will just get a drink that's not what they ordered, but they never complain about it. And behind the bar, on a very, very large stool, is a very, very small goblin man who you know is Bonk. Uh, Bonk is the owner of the Spider's Craw and is just immaculately dressed. You've never seen him not dressed as the fanciest person ever. In fact, you don't even know how he got those clothes. The place you'd have to go to buy clothes that fancy wouldn't even let goblins in. At any rate, uh, you enter and find a table, I'm assuming, or maybe you go to the bar. What would you like to do? Go to the bar. Okay. You go to the bar and take a seat. For some reason, the back of this seat is under your right armpit. It's cool. I'm gonna just uh, I'm I'm gonna lean into it like I'm like I'm like I'm a cool kid at like school after I've like turned my chair a little bit. Yeah, you you turn this you turn the chair ninety degrees and like, <laughs> hello fellow kids. Exactly. <laughs> All right, and you saunter out to the bar and you do that. Bonk has to take the time to get off off the stool, scoot it down to the other end of the bar, and climb back up. Hello, Gregory. How are you today? Well, hey there, Bonk. How you doing? Another day under this bright, bright sun. Yeah, sun is pretty bright out today, but it's nice, you know. Just, just a little bit of breeze blowing through some patches on my, on my. What on my can boat. I do for you today? I want a drink. Obviously, that's why I'm here. He kind of blinks a few times, like, "Is this all I am to people? Just where you get drinks?" But anyway, he shakes his head. I and, mean, uh, he, he doesn't say that out loud. It's more like how he, his body language. But he shakes it off and, okay, what would you like? Uh, mmm. Well, today, I definitely don't want to cut with any water, uh, so how about something... something dark? He has actually never cut anything with water. You never get watered down alcohol here, but because of that, it is much pricier than you would expect from a tavern. 
Uh, but he nods and holds his hand out for payment because he knows that you're a hobo and don't often have much money. Um, how how much? What can you spare? I'll see what I can do. His small little gobliny fingers reach out from uh, over the bar. I will give him two bits. Okay, you give him two bits. You get what is essentially a shot glass of beer. Ah, <laughs> uh, but if you smell it, it does smell like very nice quality stout. Uh, I expected a little bit more, but maybe my understanding of uh, the local economics is a little bit off. Do you try it? I'll try it. The one sip you have is delicious. It is very good beer, but it is about a sip and a half of it. So uh, how much is it for like a whole glass of that? Let's say five. Mm. You know what? You know what? You seem to be having a good day. For you, three. Ah, now we're talking. I didn't realize you were a haggling man, and I'm going to give him three bits. Very well. And he gives you what is essentially a pint glass of that same stout. It's not the gigantic glass ever, but it's like a glass of beer you'd get at a restaurant. Excellent. Th- thank you very much, Bonk. Uh, hey, roll me perception check. Okay, cool. Um, I have an 11 in that. What does that do for me? So you'll roll d d20 and add one. Um, what are your professions again? Entertainer and what else? Religious devotee and criminal beggar. Okay, yeah. Give me a d20 plus one. All right, 14. That's pretty good. I'm sorry, 15. It's a 15. So um, you kind of like observe his sleeve as he reaches out for your money for the last time. Or like takes your glass or hands you the glass of beer. Very rarely do you see that type of stitching in clothing. As someone who is a performer, you of course... Take time to make sure your, your appearance is immaculate when you go on stage. The best costumes. And uh, you've never seen stitching like that. And you're able to come to the deduction that, like, fancy clothes for a goblin of that size, at unique looking, you'd be willing to bet that Bonk makes his own clothing. In fact, his clothing is all leather. But still, just... Like, he's got, like, the full suit with the vest and, like, like the shit. But what's that fancy thing you always wear? Cravat. A cravat. Yeah. He has, like, these full nine, full all, all nine yards. He's, he's dressed fancy, and he made it all himself, and it's all leather. Sounds like some Australian bullshit. Well, well damn there, Bonk. I've seen this up close. Did, did you make all this yourself? He kind of, like, blinks one more time, and his eyes kind of go wider. Why, yes, I did. Thank you for noticing, Mr. Drunk. Very nice of you. It is my, uh, I guess you could call it passion. At this tavern view. Oh well, you know, if I ever come into some uh, some more money, I might uh, I might have to ask you to get me uh, to to maybe uh, to maybe make me some clothes there. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a little out of work lately. You know, since I turned up in town a, a couple months back, but uh, I am an actor. Oh yes, yes, yes. We'll see what we can do. Uh, material is hard to come by these days. Yeah, that's true. It's a. Uh... Do you get anything to eat while you're there? I probably should. I hear that eating is really good to go with uh, drinking. Yeah, probably. Uh, markedly, uh, his food is much cheaper than his alcohol. In fact, you could get a hot meal for one bit. All right, I'm gonna. I, I guess that I will like look to him and be like, "Hey, so, so bonk, I, uh can you make change for this?" And I'm gonna pull out my copper really dramatically. Oh, oh, oh. what's the expression? A blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. Yes, I can make change. Just one meal? Yeah, just one meal. Okay, he, he climbs down off his little stool, and there's some jingling and jangling, and he hands you nine bits. It'll be just a moment. And you hear him holler uh, to the back, Hey! In some weird language you don't understand. And there's some big rustling, as you see, through the, like, the... You know how, they're, like, some diners have that, like, see-through thing, where you can, like, look through and see if there's, like, someone cooking your food? Yeah. I guess a, a diner window is what it's called. There's one of those, but it has, like weird geometrical shapes indented in it into it into wood so it's like it's almost like a confession booth type setup but it's just a guy cooking food and in the back you see a particularly large ogre with a very tiny paring knife chopping up vegetables and stuff and uh cooking food uh while your food's being prepared uh, anything else you want to do just sit there and enjoy my beer Okay, okay. Um, there's other goings on at the bar. Seems to be a game of dice going on in the corner. Tavern goers are like, there's not, there's not tons of people here. It's pretty early. But, you know, it's it's a nice enough day. And work is, it's not, it might be like a Sunday, for example, let's say. It's like a, a day when there's not a lot of workloads. So, there's a few people in there. There's even one guy dancing. 
is a guy playing a piano. Um, notably, the uh, seems like the leader of the guard is not on duty today. So Terrace is in the corner having a chat with a citizen. Indy looks over and sees you and gives like a polite, like overly polite, almost awkward wave and uh, goes back to his conversation. I'm going to give him a, a wave back like the friendliest hobo that I am. Well, kind of like that, uh, that hobo character from The Simpsons. <laughs> How to do, neighbor? All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All righty. Uh, after a few messy food comes out, and it seems to be a particularly uh, hearty roasted rabbit with uh, some nice winter vegetables that are just coming. They're, they're trying to use all the winter vegetables since spring's coming around. So it's like rabbit with like some carrots and some gravy, um, maybe even some potatoes. I will eat it gratefully. And, you know, for one bit, it's hot and it's food. It's pretty good. It's not like the best meal you've ever had, probably, but it's certainly better than you thought you'd get for one bit. You're starting to get a vibe that Bonk is a very intense individual and cares a lot about what he cares about and doesn't care so much for things he doesn't care about. Pretty much that the the guy in the back just makes the food and he doesn't really care who buys it. It's just, I have to charge somebody something, so it'll be a bit. Uh, but you sit there and enjoy your food. Uh, now what would you like to do now that you've spent half of your, uh, a good a good chunk of your earnings? I have actually managed to spend more money than I started character creation with. <laughs> I would like to wander over to the dice game and start observing that. Okay, let me see here. Dice. Um, there's not really anyone super notable. Kind of just like run-of-the-mill citizens tossing some dice, throwing some bones. It seems that there's a ship coming in soon, so they're kind of passing the time until they can maybe see about going back out in the water. But you just sit back and observe. Yeah, if they're not uh, if they're not gambling or anything, I'm gonna just observe for a little bit, and then I guess I'm gonna, I guess, wander over to uh, the the magistrate. You said uh, Terrace was it? Oh yes, the captain of the guard. Yeah, okay. yep. Uh, the guys aren't really gambling for money; they're gambling for like sailor shit. There's hard tack on the on the board. Some guy has like a, ho- a fish hook he found, maybe like a piece of whalebone. Nothing super valuable, but it's more for like the thrill of gambling than actually making money. Yeah, I was going to see if maybe, like, if one of them was, uh, <laughs> had a lot of money, I might see if I could, like, pocket a bit or two. You, you might see, like, a wayward bit here or there, but it's certainly not the, certainly not the universal currency being used in this gambling session. Yeah, in that case, I'm going to just wander over to the captain of the guard. Uh, very well. Uh, he seems to be, like, in the tail end of his conversation and is just, like, seems to be enjoying his time off. Uh, what would you like to do? Well, hey there, Terrace. How's everything going? Ah, uh, hello. Um, Gregory, was it? How are you today? Yeah, yeah Greg. I'm, uh, you know, I'm, uh, just, uh, just enjoying my time here in town. Gave a little rousing sermon about the reveler, the revel, uh, out in the square there. Sure, sure you saw, heard me. I'm pretty loud. He- he kind of, like, nods and be like, on my way over, I'd heard something from the other guardsmen of a religious demonstration in the square. It's all well and good. Just make sure not to inspire any ruckus. But I'm, I'm sure you, you understand. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, the, the, reveler would, the revel would never inspire ruckus in a town square. No, no, no. It's all bars and gambling halls and brothels. That's where, that's where they were. He kind of, like, nods with a, with a smile. And I want to make pretty clear here. You ever, like... Like, he's, like, pretty cordial, and he has, like, a friendly smile on his face. But everything th- everything seems almost forced. It's almost like, you ever meet someone who's so happy, it can't be real? Yes. Any retail person ever? Similar vibe. But the persona that you're getting, you it's not like a persona, but you're getting the vibe that this is very much like, this is how I am. This is how I need to be when I'm out with these people. This is the way you interact. When with the, There's not a lot of, how to put it. It's very rehearsed. Terrace has a very good customer service face. Yes, but it's not like super happy or super cordial. It's more like it'd be similar to how somebody who came from a combat environment would be coming back to like working at a food lion. This is how normal people act, right? Similar to that. Um, But he just ambles on and you chat with him for a second. Anything else you wanted to talk with him about? Or are you just having a chat? So, uh, Terrace, is there any uh, any openings with the with the guard yet? You know, I put, put in an application and I'm going to flex very badly. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think we're accepting any new applicants at this time, Greg. Um, but we really do appreciate you reaching out to support our town. It means a lot, especially from a newcomer like yourself. 
Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I'll just, uh, I guess I can just start keeping watch on, uh, like, where people come in and out of town. I mean, I, we basically live around there anyway, you know, me and me and Barnes. Ah, uh, yes, that sounds fine. Just, uh, make sure to, uh, keep order and all that. And there's a hint under keep, an or- keep the order and all that that sounds very much not like a general friendly tone, and more like, like, the words keep the order have a very different tone and cadence to them than the rest of that sentence. Okay, so like, oh, so like he's implying that it's like, hey, don't do anything stupid. You're not actually part of the town guard. It doesn't seem like it was intentional. More like force of habit, I'm guessing. Sort of. Like if you say something over and over again, like you say it so often, you just say it in the same way every time, even when you're using it in a different context. My pleasure. But he finishes his drink and be like, well, I, I must be going. I, I'm sure uh, the watch tonight will be very interesting. You have a nice day now. Very great. Will do, and I'm going to give him my best salute that I don't know how to do. You like, like a scout salute or something that doesn't yeah, make any it, sense. Yeah, if it what if he wasn't being so earnest about it, it would look insulting. Right. He's not sure whether you insulted his mother or you're just wishing him a good day, so he just kind of brushes it off and walks out. <laughs> All right. And with this, we're going to do a little bit of a roundup here, uh, because as Mister Drunk is walking out of the bar, Puck and Stratum are entering town, and there is a pretty good-sounding ruckus from the dock. The town looks to the dock. You see a single boat, a single ship approaching from the sea. As we pan over to Mr. Nothek Orax. You kind of see a, um, about a five-foot-ish dwarf on the taller end of dwarfs, for sure, but as a... Outside of that particular attribute, he looks rather average for a dwarf. Nothing particularly stands out about him besides his um, height. All right. For a little bit of background on where you are, I've mentioned this to you, but we'll go back over it for the class. You are on the whaling vessel known as the Rambling Turn. T-E-R-N, for those keeping track at home. The Rambling Turn is a pretty pretty decent-sized vessel. It's not like a gigantic brigand or anything, uh, but it's like a whaling vessel. The captain of this whaling vessel is what is known in these lands as a fawn. Fawn are like like fairy people, but they're basically satyrs. And his name is Captain Rickett. Captain Rickett's pretty flighty, kind of like uh, jovial, but bounces around a lot. And he's he's helping the crew tie everything down, uh, humming a tune. Like, all right then, almost there. Come on, everyone's tying everything down. Markedly, as you're walking to help tie everything down, you stumble past another pretty dominant figure on the boat, and his name is Groth. This is your first time on the Rambling Turn, Mr. Nosek Orax. Uh, Groth is the boat's first mate, and he is a whole seven feet tall. Uh, this man is absolutely massive. Uh, he has long, straight black hair soaked to the core with, like, salt, and you've never heard him say a word. He communicates with the crew entirely through, like, directed grunts and gestures. The crew doesn't really speak of him much because it's just how, but there's been talk of him either speaking only when it's important or not having a tongue. You never get any confirmation, but you guys, uh, Doc, you guys get the stuff ready, you're approaching the shore. What do you do to help get the ship together? I kind of go around gathering up the ropes, make sure there's no tangles or kinks within the lines, and uh, kind of generally help prepare to um, tie everything down to the dock itself, make sure the uh, ship itself doesn't drift off too far from the dock. I'm probably going to be to- probably going to be on the railing, ready to jump down to the dock once we get close enough. Already. And as you all get the the ship packed and the lines taut, uh, as you return from this pretty uneventful whaling voyage, the whales don't actually lo- aren't actually far off the coast of Brandle, but you've had a patch of bad luck. Uh, no actual catch this time at all, or so you think. As there is a very sudden jerk on the ship, like something crashed into the undertow of the ship. Whoa, what just happened there? Please roll agility. Alrighty. So my agility is a nine. I'm guessing I'm taking a minus one to that. Ah, alright. Oh, buddy. Well, the ship keels over at about a 45 degree angle. She's still floating, but that impact certainly knocked you off your feet. Holy hell. As you reach to grab a line, you successfully do, but one of your crates of lamp fuel, of lamp oil, crashes into your side as you grab the, as you hold on to the rope. You lose your footing and start sliding towards the starboard side of the ship. I grab my dagger off my hip 
and aim to try to jam it down into the floorboards of the ship, of the uh, dock deck, to stop myself from flying down, sliding down further. Go ahead and make me. Uh, you know what? You're a sailor, right? You're a, or a pirate, rather. Yeah. Go ahead and make me a roll with a boon. Yeah, that sounds like a fucking pirate move. Indeed, it does. This would be easier if he hadn't lost his axe. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. That wow. is a fail. As you slide and reach to grab your dagger, you just can't... There's, like, some of the um, rope you have on your belt for tying rigging down has gotten caught around the hilt of your dagger. You just can't... It's, it's stuck. And as you reach... Ancestors, help me! As you reach and try to grab for it, uh, you tumble off the ship. But suddenly you stop moving. There is a very loud grunt as Groth, having hanged off the side of the ship as he recovered, grabs you by the scruff of your neck, by your collar, with one hand, and hoists you back onto the ship, fling, flinging you a good ten feet back onto the ship as he does so. Oh, yeah, thank that, you, Groth. That, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that impact knocked the wind out of you for sure. You don't take any damage, but you are certainly, you certainly got to take a breather. You just try your best. I, I, I kind of try to settle myself, try to get try to get as stable as I possibly can with lamp oil on me while holding on to whatever I can for support while I kind of <coughs> get my wind back. As you gather yourself, somehow the guy in the crow's nest has managed to not fall off and snap his neck. Uh, as the ship recenters, he points to the starboard side. This is the inside you always tumbled off. Captain, breaching starboard side, and there is oddly close to the shore a pretty decent-sized whale. Well, I'll be damned. And the the captain, Captain Rickett, who's uh, trying trying his best to maintain the ship, looks back to the crew and simply says, "What do you say, lads? Let's catch this son of a gun." The entire crew, right after you say that, with that resounding, ah, and he like jerks the wheel really fast, and the ship doesn't like the ship's going to turn so fast. But, uh, you do indeed seem to be going after the whale. I, uh, run over to help wherever I can't help, uh, try to load the uh, harpoons and whatnot. Oh, load? No, well, sorry. This, this is hand whaling. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I run over to try to help, uh, spear the, uh, whale harpoon. Harpoon the whale as much as I can. So how this is generally going to go, is there gonna, there's going to be like a team of the ship that has pretty long oars to kind of like like keep the boat near the whale, and another crew that's like jabbing it and trying to like harpoon it. I'm going to be um, starting my uh, stature. I'm probably going to be the, on the oars trying to um, try to keep it near the boat because so I don't gonna have much reach even with the longest of harpoons to stab that whale. You're doing oar or harpoon? Oar. So you get these these oars are about ten feet long. They are very heavy, but you can kind of like shimmy it over the edge of the boat as it catches a good tailwind and uh, darts after this whale. It kind of just like jumps up and lands with a loud hmm, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And you guys get on it pretty quick. Now, I need you to make me um a, an attack roll with advantage because of sailor. And this will be for you and the crewman helping you. So for an attack roll, it's a little bit different than a stock check. What is your strength? That would be 10. Okay, so it is exactly like a stock roll then. I just need a d20, and you can roll advantage because of Sailor and your or pirate, and you're doing some pirate shit right now. Oh, when you say so advantage, you a, mean... Is that a boon or just a plus one? No, it's just just the d20. And then you roll a d6 and add it. Uh, Brendan, what were you saying? Oh, I was at because you keep saying advantage instead of boon, and I was just, I, I just wanted to have it. Yeah, it, yeah I, a, I just wanted to double total. check. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it's boons and banes, not adva- advantage and disadvantage. Please, I'll get it eventually. Uh, fifteen in total. Twelve and uh, three. So fifteen. You and the crew jam those oars down pretty good and kind of like bind this whale's fin so it's not going anywhere. Let's have kind of a not like a cry, but like a grunt of like, huh? And with that, yeah, and with that, the crew that has the harpoons begin jumping off the boat onto this thing's back, stabbing downward with their harpoons as they do so. Kill it. Kill it dead so we get a nice dude paycheck. And stab it, they do. A couple, like, get a bad angle and just bounce off into the water, but several get a pretty good pretty good chunk in there, and now it's just, there's there's cries of pain. You, you're pretty sure, like, you, after doing some whaling in your time, you know that there's no real way 
Like, there's only a select number of ways you can progress to capture this whale. Because it's not, it's either going to take you back out to sea, or it's going to crash into land. And from where you are right now with the supplies you spent whaling, having it run ashore is really your only option. As you look back to the boat, the captain sees that also. The harpoons ratcheted to the ship as the guys clamber back on board. He turns the wheel real hard, jerking the uh, wheel towards shore. Okay. And he, haul- he hollers back to the crew, Pull, men! And everybody gets on and grabs some lines from the harpoons and starts pulling. I uh, join up to grab them. All right. As y'all pull, let me make a roll. Yeah, go ahead and make me a roll. So strength roll, so just a d20. That'll do it. The parser does not like me tonight. Pass. Oh, maybe not. It really doesn't like me. So the crew and the boat turn hard, and the whale starts to give. But then it kind of like flails to the right very violently, and the ship takes a good tug. But you know damn well that these burly-ass whalers aren't going to let this bitch whale get away from them when it's right here after a crew after a trip with nothing. So they haul back one more good time. Um, Joe, roll one more time for me as you try to as y'all pull haul try to haul the thing in. There we go. That is pretty good. Okay. So you guys give it one more good haul, and the whale's fighting back real hard. But then, from the top rope, from the rigging, Groth flings himself and elbow drops this whale, like right about its eyeball. Ah, crash point secret technique number fifty-two. Yeah. <laughs> you got it, buddy. <laughs> And it kind of, like, lets out another sharper cry and just kind of flails. But that flailing makes it lose its traction and kind of just careen right into the shore of Brandle. Uh, the captain hollers everybody to brace for impact as this ship crashes into the shore with it. I uh, grab whatever is, if I'm happy to be near the railing, grab hold of the railing and brace myself. Basically, whatever I can grab that's nailed to the deck of the ship to brace myself for impact. Sure, sure. You, uh, you're, like, right near the mast, and you, like, tie some of the, the mast rigging around your waist and buckle down. Just wait for it. Go ahead and make me a... Hmm, one more strength roll to see if you get knocked around. Wow. Uh, it's a rough, rough landing, and you certainly knock your face against the deck a little bit. But you don't suffer any anything more than superficial damage as the ship careens across the sand and stops next to this beached whale. Uh, oh, thank the ancestors, I'm alive. The uh, the horn head of Captain Rickett pops up and lets out a good laugh as he scrambles off and tells the crew to hurry up as they wa- as they move to uh, break down this whale that seems to be stuck on the beach. Congratulations on having uh, a cat voyage. Alrighty, I kind of uh, follow suit with the uh, crew, and since I'm assuming I'm just pretty much a uh, hired hand, and uh moved to break down what I could. Probably more likely just taking my dagger and uh, cutting up what needs to be cut up. Gotcha. Alrighty. And everyone from town, the general consensus is town is going to move to look to see how this is happening. Um, you may choose to do so, or you may choose to do something different. Up to you guys. So, as they're, uh, as we're moving in and seeing this take place, uh, Sredom's going to just look at the whale. Ah, rations. And walk up and try to take a chunk and put it in his mouth and let it grind its into his gears that way it oils and lubricates all of his insides i kind of uh am i on the shore at this point or yeah, yeah. yeah you watch is a uh, a clockwork saunters up and takes removes a piece of blubber from the side of this whale and just gnaws on it in front of you hey captain since we got someone trying to take our uh loot here you know that like the, the blubber will be used to render out oil but this was like, he, he almost took like a piece of something that would have been waste. Like it was already detached from the main whale. Oh, okay. Uh, I kind of just look at him and kind of uh, just look him up and down and go and think to myself, what in the name of my ancestors is going on right now? I, I required rations, therefore I acquired rations. The day kind of is going to kind of go on like that. The rest of the day is pretty consumed with the town helping break down the whale and everything, and that's going to be the day. We'll pick up with day two when we get back. Hey everyone, Christina here with all the fun logistics for this episode. A big thanks to the musical talent of Kevin McElroy, as well as Raphael Crux for our opening Asking Questions. 
and Alexander Nakarada for this ending song, Behind the Sword. All three contributed to the music heard throughout this episode. If you liked what you heard, please look them up, and also feel free to give us a like, a follow, or a good review. It goes a long way with helping us to get out to more listeners, and we always appreciate the feedback. Speaking of feedback, if you'd like to contact us, you can reach us on Twitter at aparadiseloss or send any questions into aparadiseloss at gmail.com. For this campaign, I will be doing the editing while mine is still on a break for safety reasons. Now, I know we advertised this as a horror-themed adventure and the episode was a little more on the tame side, but we are ramping up for some spooky moments to come. So take this boon and hopefully you'll be able to survive until next time.